Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to the call here on Ausbiz as we take a look at some of the stocks that you've suggested we analyse. We put it to uh, two of our experts on our panel each day and they give their opinion on them and boy Mondays is always one of our most popular don't know why uh Gaurav Saidi from Intelligent Investor is with us how are you mate? What an intro. Just, uh, straight <laughs> from the David. gym looking oh, buff. Yeah a bit puffed out. Oh well done. <laughs> bit sweaty and puffed out. What did you do? Oh, I had yeah, a, a, a weight session actually oh. so my hand's gonna be trembling and I won't be able to carry this water glass for long. <laughs> what are you pressing? I'm pressing, uh, what, 120. Ooh, he's a little dynamite. <laughs> he's a boxer. Nathan Sobhasandaram from uh, Deep Data Analytics. Um, what are you pressing at the moment? Uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pressing a lot of sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, I think, I, I, that's the one thing I miss. I, right. I used to play a lot of sports, and yeah. even though I'm older now and well the old guys we all go oh, and play cry sports me, cry me a river yeah like oh, you know we play, at least when the clients were around we used to play like touch football or right. soccer and stuff right. like that there's no one around <laughs> yeah there's yeah. nothing so uh, yeah. I haven't I actually haven't done a single sport in over a year that's oh. unusual for you yeah oh, that's yeah. It. Like, yeah. I don't think in my whole life yeah. I've ever done that for a year what's a sport and, you love the most doing um I actually like soccer right because it's a it's a strategic game, yeah. um, and it's about peripheral views about how the, the strategy you play out. Right. And the physical size weight doesn't actually matter in soccer. It's right. one of the few sports where it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So can, I love can it. you imagine him at halftime giving, giving the team the analytics of it? Well, our percentage down the left wasn't quite right. Let's just. I'll, I'll give you one when you're taking a, when you're taking a penalty kick, right? Yeah. About 70 to 80 percent of the shots are to your left for a right footed kicker, right. right? So the keepers, keeper already knows. So I used to keep in a penalty shootout, right? Because you know that most players are comfortable hitting in that direction. So what you do is there you, you go. dummy, found a use for data. So you actually dummy <laughs> go into that side and force them to hit the uncomfortable side, right? And they mostly miss, right? <laughs> yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. That's, that's a that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why he's in the analytics <laughs> game. He even takes it to flame and soccer. All right. Uh, before we get into your 10 stocks, uh, I choose the stock of the day. I thought we'd take a look at GPT Group. Came out with its results this morning, reporting a $230 million net loss. 
2020 from a profit of $80 million a year ago. Companies saying the impacts of COVID have resulted in lower net operating income reflecting rent relief provided to tenants and a reduction in the valuation of the retail portfolio uh, market reacting positively to the results. Uh, share price up 3%. It's also announced a buyback of up to 5% of its ordinary shares. Nathan, what do you think of the result and, and the stock? Look, I think it's it's a decent stock. It's just in a bad sector with problems. The macro problems are against it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think about most of the retail side of things, I'd say you're probably locking yourself into what, three to five years of 20, 30% discount that you're gonna be uh, giving into lock-in mm-hmm. for players. Um, it's not bad, but I think, again, the other thing that you have to remember is what, why are you buying a property trust? You're buying a yield thematic. Yeah. Yeah. In a reflation cycle, that just doesn't work. The other one I would say is, have a look at the chart, don't look at the short term. Look what happened pre-GFC to post-GFC. Yeah. And you see a substantial fallback and it did not recover that yeah. much. And we're going through that cycle again. So the reality is this thing will take a lot longer to recover. That's why property trusts um, in this kind of recession cycles, it's a really tough sector. Right. There's probably one so or two So not just GPT. No, I think the whole sector of... struggles, right? Yeah. And they have to keep raising money and these guys obviously done well and they're doing some buybacks and I don't know how long that lasts because there's still uncertainty about a lot of things. Yeah. How quickly things turn around, how many people come back to the market. I've always been fascinated by the fact that we don't do work from home in Australia as well as it's done globally. And I think what we have seen in the last 12 months will change a lot of that. A lot of the senior guys that mm-hmm. I talk to are more than comfortable doing that now. So th- I think the demand will be lower than what it was. And you've got this thing about locking people into contracts, which you're going to give discount to. So all of these things play into it. So I think yeah. property sector is tough. I think GPT is okay uh, for what it is. I just don't think it's going to be something that you're going to kill it over the next five years. Okay. Um, so it's not the one I would be going into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. you, you write to us. I think the central question here is, what are you trying to achieve by buying this stock? And, and clearly, one invests in REITs for the yields. And it does make some sense. Um, owning a big portfolio of high-quality property should deliver a stable income which can fund stable dividends. I think that that's all perfectly fine. But, but these assets, the underlying assets now, are much higher risk than they were two years ago. And I'm not as, con- in, as confident in predicting which direction the world would go into it, but there's certainly a debate to be had. I've spoken to many people who say it's great for old experienced workers to work from home, but, but young folk just cannot work from home and learn what they need to. You can't build a company culture, you can't integrate. There's a reason why 200 years of human evolution has left us congregating in cities. There's a whole lot of externalities that build mm. in cities. and yep. so. One should expect that to continue. On the other side, you know, Nathan's laid out the case and everyone knows it. No one's going into the city at the moment. Maybe that's permanent. I don't know what the answer is, but it's a, it's, it's a really important question mm. and it will completely change the economics and the returns you get mm. for GPT. So one cannot buy this any longer expecting a stable dividend. This is now either a turnaround or a value type business. You have to look at the assets and buy it at some sort of discount to the assets with risk in mind, I don't think it's anywhere near cheap enough yet. I own a smattering of um, center group, but I don't hold it with any conviction. Um, (laughs) That's the kind kind of play where you've got these really valuable properties in prime locations, a commanding lead, and lots of variability and options in how to use that land. 
I think, and you and you and you're buying it. I think I bought that at sort of thirty percent of book value. I mean, right. that's the kind of optionality that makes sense. GPT at this time at this price for me does not make sense. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I've got a mate who works in a project management group, <coughs> and um, a lot of their staff working from home actually checked that they were working. Everyone was logging on mm. at the right time. Everyone was right. working all day taking a third longer to finish their projects interesting mm. because they didn't have anyone to bounce off if yeah. they had a problem yes. they tried to work it out themselves yeah. rather than go hey can someone give me a hand here yeah and that's to your point it is i think there's certain industries culture yeah. that yeah. Um, like yeah I mean, it's an industry like by one of the things that are in finance i think when you're working in a team the yeah. bouncing off ideas and talking yeah. aloud makes a huge difference and i think that makes it worthwhile that you're going to have a few like what, what we're seeing is people come in for a couple of days a week yep. and they have a rotational system that kind of works but most of the other people who work in silos um, and work in yeah. global teams in silos they yeah, it doesn't matter where they are yeah. and, and so that I think that those kind of things I've got friends of mine working in uh, cochlear and he runs a team around the world yeah. so for him working from home makes absolutely no yeah, difference yeah. he actually yeah. thinks it's better because the rest of the world port the guys in Sydney had a uh, advantage having the boss next to him. Oh. Now that they're all working from home, they all feel that it's all fair. So it's actually a weird concept. But when he explained that to me, I was like, "Wow, I never thought of that." Yeah, but never it, of it's that. true. Yeah, you and can't have a generic answer to it. No, exactly. no, it's sector by sector, company by company. All right, um, let's get into your ten stocks, Dominic. Wants a view on TPG Telecom Gorab. You're the expert on this. Uh, the, the big telecommunications company took mm. over Vodafone, didn't they? Put them all together, Singapore-based. Yeah, so we, we own TPG and have done for some time. Um, it's a buy for me, but it's a, it's a long, drawn-out investment case. Let me just try and simplify it down for you. Um, when you think about what's made TPG successful over yeah. a long period of time, it's the acquisition of the smart acquisition or construction of fixed assets and then um, an ability to get costs down into market. So you get lots and lots of customers using that fixed asset base. Yeah. So they've used scale better than anyone else in the industry. Before pre-NBN days, TPG used to make the same margin as Telstra, 40% EBITDA margin, even though they charge 50% less um, retail price. Oh. That tells you A, how grossly inefficient Telstra is, and B, how amazingly cost-efficient TPG has always been. Yep. The culture there is is unsurpassed. I don't think I've ever seen a business like this, really. Um, when we spoke to people, we've heard tremendous stories. Um, there was a story about uh, David Teo going around the office at night after being a billionaire and turning all the lights off in the office, you know. Um, when there was a big tear in the meeting room uh, floor in TPG offices, Teo himself got some um, tape and repaired the whole thing. <laughs> And this is a multi-billion dollar business, you know. That's wow. a sign of cheapness, and these are small tales, but these, these illustrate a, a culture that is deeply concerned about cost yeah. and savage about restraining it. Mm. Um, and I think once you bring that culture along to Vodafone, which is a vast, completely, it's never made a profit, Vodafone Australia, yep. in, yep. what, more than a decade of operation, it's a decent quality but underutilized, um, under-capexed network. Uh, you, you bring TPG's nows for bringing for bringing along customers and their cost efficiencies onto this sort of mobile network, and there are going to be vast synergies. I mean, I've, I've, we've estimated about half a billion dollars of wow. annual synergies a year. Um, so they'll make a profit this year. 
Uh, no, I don't think I don't think Vodafone yet is ready. Uh, the in the in the short term, they're going to be really hit by COVID. Right. Um, a lot of their revenue comes from roaming, and international customers are a big chunk of their revenue, and that's all gone. Right. But going through, looking past that into the future, um, I think there's tremendous opportunity here to improve Vodafone um, and to replicate what's been great about TPG. Um, another. Uh, the, 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 the crown jewel of TPG is actually its corporate fibre business. They used to make half their profit from um, installing fibre in high traffic uh, corporate corridors and then getting a lot of corporate customers and, and, um, and they earn sort of 60% margin on that business. It's wonderful. Um, Vodafone doesn't even have any enterprise sales team. So here's TPG with a wonderful enterprise channel that they can now sell Vodafone product okay. into. There's just so many avenues for uh -huh. For efficiencies and growth, I think this is going to be a great deal for them, and they haven't even been able to scratch the surface yet. So I think it's worth over ten dollars a share ultimately, and it's a buy. Mm. Okay, I mean, that is, are you going to disagree? <laughs> oh, bloody hell! Let's um, <laughs> start. Um, oh, look, he's, he's put the case on the micro side. Right. Let's look at the macro side. It's a crap sector, right? Um, it's globally, yeah. it's a crap sector. Te telecom sector does not do well. It's the the techs. The, the guys who run on the platform, yep. they do the, the money making. They're, they're the uh, branding, they're, they're the margin gatherers. Um, which you would think at some point that was going to change, but it hasn't. Again, this is one of my pet hates. Why doesn't someone like Telstra buy a media content and become a bundler and take advantage of the online, but they don't. Uh, but look, that being said, well, I think- sort of, sort of did with Foxtel and things like that. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought Foxtel is the brand you would want to be playing on, but- right. Like I thought they should have had a guide in Channel 9. Yep. After they took Fairfax, you, you know, when Channel 9 was down, you take it out and you got the uh, streaming, you got the online play, you got yep. the platform, you package everything together. The US companies have done that. Verizon exactly. and AT&T have done oh. that. For me, that made sense. But anyway, that being said, I think there's graphs right in the context that I think the telcos structurally can drive uh, cost saving. And the other beauty of them is they're you know, in a market where everything is priced to extreme levels. These are relatively defensive, they're Aussie dollar earners. So my medium to longer term view is Aussie dollar is going to go higher and I think in the short term it might be wobbling, um, it might come off in a pullback, but in the medium to long term I think it goes higher, um, 80, 85 cents, Aussie dollar will be worth something, so the defensive Aussie dollar earners will do better. Um, you know, going into a growth outlook in the next couple of years, I think it's going to be tough, it's going to be low growth. So these kind of guys will have a play. Um, and I think that's, you can see it in Telstra. Yep. Now, the question will be is what Telstra is doing, how that plays out for the rest of the sector. I think the market is worried that when Telstra sells off the infrastructure player and they become a, you know, leveraged of gorilla coming at the market, especially the mobile market, there's gonna be challenge. I think TPG, Graves, right, I think TPG is good enough, right? And you can see Bocas is under play as well. There's a lot of M&A divestments in play in the sector. So. It's going to be tough to work out how the sector settles down. I mean, look, we've been a fan of Telstra from about 280, now it's 325. Mm -hmm. I still think the divestment plays well for it, yep. uh, and I think it goes higher. Now, that will create a bit of unrest for TPG. I think you will see TPG remaining weak till that cleans out, and then people get a feel of where the sector settles down. Uh, and that might offer you a buying opportunity. I'm not running out to buy TPG. I prefer Telstra here for what it's, what it's playing out. So in a sector sense, I think Telstra is a winner in the short term. Um, TPG, I think over the long term, when, when these things settles down, we'll see an upside cycle. 
got to buy on Telstra as well. So I don't disagree oh, with the okay. value on Telstra. I think the investment cases here are quite different. Telstra is operationally nowhere near as, sure. as fierce. TPG is scary. But then if that's, you're a competitor that's, to TPG... But that's the, that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah. Um, what your argument on TPG mm. is that they can take what they've done well and translate it to Vodafone. Yep. Now, Telstra is just crap. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've said it for years, yeah, right? Yeah. They're just yeah. crap. Um, now they've got a shot. They've got the, they're going to get the balance sheet. They're going to get able, they're finally able to compete in the retail market. Mind you, if they don't, you just got to line them all up and shoot them. But if they do, it's going to be really hard for other people because they've been so bad and yeah. they've still done okay. So if they get half good, there's a lot to take apart. So on a relative measure, I think you've got a better shot at Telstra in the shorter term. Right. But how that settles, we have to wait and see. Okay. I think there's right. more, more upside in TPG, but I think there's a more certain outcome in Telstra. Agree. I agree. agree. The, the asset value is there in Telstra. Yeah. There I you agree. go, Dominic. That is great analysis of uh, TPG. Um, all right, uh, Nathan, Oliver wants a view on IAG. Are they half good? Uh, oh, there's half year results, first shareholder dividend since COVID. Um, and a buyback, I think, as well. Mm. Increase in dividend and a buyback. What do yeah, you think so of we, IAG? We actually Share price positive. has been hammered. Uh, yeah, we, we turned positive a couple of weeks ago Right. Um, and into the result. Um, and that's worked out well. Look, I, I think it's just so ugly that you had to turn positive. Mm. Um, and I think it's the dynamics of what's happened in the overall uh, finance sector. If you look at the overall sector, reflation cycle, yields going up, positive for overall. Yep. Um, diversified uh, financials are pretty much at the peak. Banks have bounced from value territory to technically expensive. I mean, Combank didn't actually go up on the yep. result, which was a fudge result to the best of times. So in that context, insurance was the unloved uh, ugly duckling sitting on the side. Yep. And again, to the macro, I think the Aussie dollar earners will do well. Um, I looked at QBE and IAG as the, the dogs in the sector. They've been beaten up. QBE, US dollar earner, management and Apache. Um, in IAG, I think management is much better. Mm. Aussie dollar earner, it's a solid business. Look, in 10 years time, they're going to be around. Right. And if they're around in 10 years time, they're going to be a lot higher than So still at this price? Oh, back yeah. Oh, look, I November. think it's, it's, it barely moved. I mean, right. if you think yeah, about yeah. it compared to what the banks have done, even Suncorp has done, yeah. this is a laggard. And the result was solid. They're doing yeah. buybacks. So in that context, good management, you've got to back them. Mm. And there's not, there's not too many top 50 stocks you get at these cheap multiples after a beat up. And IAG is one of those. Okay. So it's ugly, but it's a good ugly buy. Yeah, I must say, Nathan has been going on about this for a little while. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I bought this before the result, but um, I can confirm that, uh, yeah, yes. he was whispering. Yeah, yeah. This a couple of weeks ago, he was telling us on the call, yeah. I think, when yeah. QBE came up and said, a shocker, but IAG is better. Yeah. But um, look, I, IAG is definitely better than QBE. QBE is, yeah. is a black box, incomprehensible to analyse. Um, there's so much, there's so many um, different divisions. You've got international... Um, movements um, and it's very difficult to analyze. IAG is a little bit easier as insurance companies go, yep. but it's still hard. Um, it looks superficially cheap and you think about the strength of the business, which is that NRMA brand. It's a powerful brand with a powerful uh, moat. Um, it should be a reliable dividend payer and if that's what you're looking for, I think this is a fine purchase. 
But for me, I can never really understand the mechanics of this business. I can't follow a dollar of revenue through the accounts, and it just makes me a bit nervous about owning a business like this. That I can't really understand all that well. Yep. So I've never really, I've never, I have, I've lost money on QB in the past, but I've never <laughs> owned an insurance company since then, um, right. and I wouldn't change. So for me, I okay. wouldn't buy it myself. No. But for a yield investor, I, I think this can make some sense at this price. But yeah. you're more than a yield investor. No, I, I think there's upside. Um, yeah. it's, it's a macro trade. What's going to happen is uh, momentum traders will look at what's happening in the financial, reflation trade. The bots will turn around and look at which is the laggards yeah. and the currency beneficiary. All of these things tick, tick okay. for IAG. So I think IAG goes higher. All right, let's go from general insurance. <coughs> uh, Gaurav, Tim wants a view on Horizon Holdings, our mm. biggest freight operator, uh, first half. Our revenue dipped 2%, um, lower volumes on their coal and uh, network sale of Horizon's rail grinding business. Yeah, uh, very unloved business. Um, uh, No one wants to touch coal. I think coal is one of, I said this last year as well, um, it is maybe the most unloved asset in the world at the moment. Mm. And for that reason alone, probably demands that you look at it. Um, We own Whitehaven Coal and New Hope Coal. Uh, I own both personally as well. Um, Sitting on losses on New Hope and sitting on big gains on Whitehaven. Um, I I think coal has just been completely misunderstood and thrown out. Um, No one doubts that the the long-term future of coal is troubled and no one doubts that it's going to end. But there's a long period of time between now and then and there's an awful lot of cash flows that are going to be made in the interim. And um, I don't think uh, the coal as a sector, the share prices across the board, you can pick anyone you like. Yeah. I don't think they reflect um, mm. the cash flows that are going to be generated. Horizon is a bit more complicated than that because most of their revenues are uh, regulated and there is currently a large regulatory battle going on at the moment and that's going to determine the future, the, the future base of returns. So it's... Uh, unusually for a heavily regulated safe business, this is actually a relatively high risk um, binary outcome here, depending yep. on what, what regulatory outcome you get. Uh, for me, I think there's enough reward here um, and enough certainty to put a buy on it, um, and mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be buying at this price. Okay. But it is not for everyone. It is un- you, you might think this is a, regu- uh, a regu- regulated asset base, that it's safe. It's actually quite risky. And if the regulation goes against it, you could see years and years of low returns, um, but you're unlikely to see a zero um, in the foreseeable future. So there's some okay. protection. It's a buy, but it is actually riskier than it looks. Hmm. Well, it's a it's a uh, volume game, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, if they more stuff going through, they make more money. Well, m- most of the stuff going through their network is met coal, uh, yeah. coal for steel production, and and that isn't as impaired as thermal yeah. coal. So volumes should actually hold up reasonably well, do you think? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting one because it gets classified and, and it's cl- classified as an infrastructure play. Yeah. Uh, but it's also not as a clean cut infrastructure play. Um, again, it's, it's one of those ones, same argument I have with call. We've talked about this plenty of yeah. times. The numbers are not turning around and I, I don't care if you, you know, I'm not, I'm not in, you know, basically saying it because of ESG or whatever. Uh, yeah. But the simple fact is the numbers are not there. Uh, well, the coal price is, is bounced it, it a did, lot. It did have yeah. a bounce back. I mean, look, you look at LNG. LNG, you know, a month ago, was at all-time highs. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, so 
people look at the oil price, but there are other things yep. that drive a lot of our stocks. So uh, look, I, I think the I think it's okay, but I think this is is one of those in two categories that just doesn't work well. One one is people are going to look at coal and go, oh, that's danger risk. Then you've got regulatory risk. And then you've got, um, it's an infrastructure play, and yeah. you go, this is not the market you want to be in an infrastructure play. that's place. exactly why it's interesting, it because is. there's so many obvious risks that and people just look at and go, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, so um, that, this is where I flip and say, yeah. because everything is crap, and it hasn't bounced, <laughs> in my technical term, um, everything is bad, and it hasn't bounced. You have to look at it. Yeah. And it's a bit like IAG. Yeah. You just go, is it going to be there? Is it going to disappear? It's not going to disappear. It's an infrastructure play. There is an asset base. There is that. So, but is it going to fly in the next six months? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think you've got time. In the shorter term, I think I would wait. Um, I think the numbers, like looking at the bond yields, I think there's going to be a, a bit of a reset in the market that's going to play out in the next couple of months, and you'll probably get it cheaper. Um, look, I think if you get a beat up in the market, this is one of those ones where everyone hates it. That's the time to buy these things. So I would buy it on the beat up. I'm not chasing it today, but it is one that I think you could probably is get it for. not much room for it to be beaten yeah, up. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that about $4 What do you is, want to get cheap. it down to? <laughs> What's beaten up in your definition? Oh, look, in this, look you, it, it all comes to percentage. You could get this in the mid-threes. Um, When's the last it, go? It's, it's bring, bring up the five-year chart. When was it in the last oh. mid... Well, it's never been in the... Mid three, three sixty nine. Yeah, I know. Since yeah, I mean, you 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 can get it. I think you'll probably get it in the mid threes. Right. But I, I just right. don't think you need a rush to jump into this stock because right. I don't think it's going to do a lot. I mean, look, every broker out there now, even Stevie Wonder can see there's a commodity cycle, right? Reflation, right. commodities are running. If you're not in it right now, it's going to get tough. But I have to say, energy cycle in the last twelve months has broken all seasonality. It's just a right. bit random. So I don't know how things are playing out. And when things are a bit random like that, I just okay. find it hard to play. So you're going to wait for mid-threes? I'm going to buy. So, yeah, but yeah. he'll miss out waiting for the mid-threes? I, oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. You know what the scary part is? He's the value investor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, Raj wants a view on Redflex, the uh, traffic management uh, oh, yes. group. Um, under takeover from um, NASDAQ. Mm listed company, uh, Vera Mo- Mobility. Um, where's it at? Uh, 130% premium yeah. to its closing price when the takeover uh, offer uh, was made. This, yeah, this was in a world of pain. Um, and then you got the bid. Go yeah. uh, you would not want to buy it here. <laughs> it's a, okay. You're basically, yeah. um, your risk is if they walk away, this thing gets smashed. Right, um, okay. And that's just, just there's no data that's going to tell you to buy here. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one. I look, I'll, oh, look here's one. That. Yeah, it's 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 one where uh, there's a number of stocks, and the, some of these stocks, like I look at smart parking and some of these things, they've got into regulatory risks when you go into different regions, and yeah. there's been management theft and stuff like that hit these things, and you know, so there's always something out of the left field hits these stocks. So you've got to be careful. I mean, I just can't see why you'd be jumping in now on a bid. Okay. It's a bid that's pricing in a fair bit. I, I just think you just take it. Yeah, and actually, you, and grow, it's a bit illiquid too, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> More than yeah look, I used to own this. Um, I sold this. Um, so you'd be selling now? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I sold this in uh, 2020, um, going into the pandemic uh, to fund other purchases and clearly missed out on a huge windfall. 
But we did a fair bit of work on Redflex, um, and it comes from a world of pain, actually, you're right. So a couple of years ago, the CEO was arrested and put in jail for bribing the city of, I think it was Chicago. Yeah. Um, because what Redflex does, we should just take a step back, what Redflex does is it sells... Um, speed cameras uh, and things like that. Uh, well, well fixed speed cameras, cameras particularly, yeah. um, but the, the systems are quite, um, quite complicated. So you need, um, you have to actually dig up the road, put the wires in, then you have to have your um, fixed speed camera and you do many of those in different locations. Mm -hmm. But then you have to process all that data back in your, in your back end. Right. Um, and there's a big international um, business in the US which is multiples the size of Redflex. And um, we figured out that it cost about $100,000 to put in a speed camera in one location. And these guys had 1,000 speed cameras, so about $100 million of, of assets. And we just thought, well, why doesn't that business take over this business? We actually talked to the CEO, talked to the American business, yeah. tried to get them together. And they did have a chat, but nothing ever eventuated. Um, but that was the investment case. I mean, there was a, a business here that no one wanted to touch. No other yeah. government or county or state wanted to deal with them because uh, the CEO was in jail. They had, uh, you know, there was an investigation underway. It was really nasty, yeah. but they had this very valuable asset base. Um, and the, uh, when you have um, a, whole a whole slew of speed cameras or red light cameras, um, you actually can get scale by, because you only need one central backend processing facility where you process all the, all, the, um, all the photos. So if you can gather more sites, you can actually lower your unit costs. Um, and that's what the case we put to the American business and they haven't acted on it, someone else has. Right. But there you go. Um, there, so um, I would certainly not buy it here. 92 cents. At the time, we thought it was worth about a dollar a share. Um, it was mm -hmm. about 20 cents a share, I think, when you first started yeah. looking at it. Yeah. Uh, we thought it was, it was worth a dollar a share. It's being taken over for 92 cents a share. There is no way left to move here. I yeah. would take the money, be what, money glad run. you got it, and run for yep. it. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Gaurav, Tony wants uh, a... A um, or Troy rather a view on a ALE Group, the uh, uh, the listed uh, property fund manager in the pub business, eighty six pubs across Australia. Yeah, we've owned this for years. This is one mm -hmm. of my. This is a business we know very well. And um, we first bought this when it was a dollar something yeah. years ago. Um, and. The three best words in property are triple net leases. Um, if you're investing in property, memorize those words. That means that um, when you own property, your tenant actually pays all the capital expenditure that goes into the property and you collect the, uh, the property windfall that that capital expenditure brings with it. So ALE has zero capex. They, they lease out the properties to Woolies. Woolies right. actually owns all their properties. Right. Um, it was actually spun out of Woolworths years ago. Yep. Uh, and um, so Woolies leases all their properties. They pay for all the improvements, all so the refurbs, all the fixtures. Group that came. No, he, he's he's actually the tenant. Tenant, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's the tenant for the. Yeah, this okay. is the property spin out of yep. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Woolies actually pays for everything, and these guys just sit there and watch their property values appreciate, right. um, as the their tenant actually pays for all their costs. It's a really nice business. Very high quality asset base. The issue with it, and the reason why it's flown under the radar, is that um, when it was spun out of ALH, ALH wrote um, really nasty contracts. And between now and 2028, these pubs are all under lease. They're probably, we reckon, some of them are half the market rent. On average, they're about a third um, under leased. Wow. And come, but, and come 2028, there's going to be a, there's an uncapped um, rent increase on the cards. 
I think you're going to see rents jump 50% across the board right. in this business. And that's why it always looks expensive. So no one, no one wants to buy it because that current lease race, it looks silly. Yeah. But um, I think the market's onto this. And the reason why it's gone up so much is that everyone knows that in, in, by 2028, there's going to be a very big revaluation event. You should be able to maintain um, a 5% dividend, even at this price. I think it's still okay by buy. Okay. Yeah, look, I, I think it looks okay. Um, it's, um, it reminds me of, it's a bit like Bunnings. Um, oh, it's trust, way better than Bunnings. But though. it's an interesting one because BWP yeah. is, has been a consensus sell. Yes, that's right. All the way up. <laughs> yeah. Like from day one, it was a sell and it was always a sell. And it's, for me, it's one of those automatic picks when the market looks risky. Because everyone's already got to sell. Yeah. <laughs> There's no downgrade left. Um, it's solid properties and they're managed well. Um, Gaurav's right. Um, I actually didn't know about that uh, lease limitation. But uh, I mean, that's probably why the numbers look The numbers excessive. don't look good, yeah. yeah. But again, another yeah. example of why you cannot just look at numbers sure. and, and make your ah, decision um, yeah, on a single uh, stock across yeah. the market, different sure, story. Sure. Um, um, and that's where digging into the <clears throat> details in some of these things pop yeah. up. And uh, look, we've Naturally, you you know we played the uh, rebound in Maulers as well. Um, yeah, that's done well. It's done well. Uh, so the opening up play, these kind of guys in an Australian culture is the best yep. way to play it. Oh, okay. uh, they all do well. So in that context, they've done well. Um, I think it grinds higher. If, right. if you're a long-term player, this is one you, you buy and you know don't look at it. It's you know unlikely to blow up, and you're you know comfortable going to bed. Um, so it's one of those ones. Um, but look, is this going to shoot the lights out in the next couple yeah. of years? <laughs> Unlikely. Okay. So, so would you buy it? Yeah, I'd buy it, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and because, you know, AFL presidents have to look after each other, uh, <laughs> Mollus, a buy at the moment, run by Andrew Pridham, uh, president of the Swans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't even I, know that. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's a bit, bit similar in the context that they both have had big bounces off the bottom. Yeah. I don't think the market's willing to pay the multiples they paid pre-pandemic, right. okay. so it'll take a bit of time. But look, I think both of them grinds higher yeah. from here, so I don't mind either one. Andrew's, is a bit Andrew's done well out of it anyhow. I bet so. he has, yeah. I bet he has. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of liquid for us, but I think it's a great business actually. Yeah. A right. genuine mini Macquarie in the making. I, I quite like that. Well, I thought that yeah. for a long time, but yeah. went yeah. nowhere. That was, a, that was a pitch. Well, yeah. it, it's, dif it's different when you're the silver donut and then Mini, mini me. Uh, the <laughs> mini me still has to prove itself. Right. Silver okay. donut, you know, it can run right. around and do whatever, and still everyone. <laughs> we should do that one time. They've actually, they've actually done three downgrades. Macquarie has done three downgrades, and the stock goes up. And I'm sitting <laughs> there going, uh, what? Okay. <laughs> it's that reputation. All right, yeah, let's yeah. check the uh, the first five stock stock of GPT. Uh, a no. TPG. A yes from Gorab. Uh, Matham prefers Telstra. Uh, IAG, a yes from Mathan, a no from Gorav, Horizon, um, a yes from Gorav, and a yes from Mathan, if you can get it in the mid three dollar oh, mark. Um, <laughs> Gorav says you're dreaming, uh, so you miss out if you wait till it gets down that low. Red Flex, sell. Um, if you've ridden uh, the stock up, get out. ALE. Uh, a yes from both of them too. Uh, here on the call, we've got our own fantasy portfolio, if you like, that we've been tracking since the 1st of July. Thanks to our partner, NAB Trade, all the stocks that get two ticks from our expert panel, like ALE has just done, goes into the calls portfolio. Take a look at how it's performing. Uh, down a percent on the week, uh, up a third of a percent on the month. 
and up almost 25% since July the 1st. Uh, some of the stocks recently added by our expert panels, City Chic, Northern Star, Rays, Amcor, Harvey Norman, Calix. Um, <laughs> I love when, when the expert pack up, Harvey Norman, look at that. Stocks taken out, South 32, EnviroSuite, MFF Capital. Who the, took out stuff? Yeah, who took out South 32 Harvey Norman? What that's, the? That's the great thing. That's the discussion. I tell you an interesting one, Northern yeah. Star. Yeah. With the post-merger, yeah. someone really thought they were going to blow themselves up into the result. Um, there's a 10-11% short in the stock. What? Oh. On Northern Star? Yeah. Oh. There's a massive short in wow. Northern Star. I mean, I've been keeping an eye on it. I, I thought, because today the shares in Saracen become Northern Star. Yeah. yeah. And I thought maybe some port massive portfolio holder who's holding a massive part of Saracen wanted to short the Northern Star yeah. to balance out the risk. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for that to play out over okay. the next couple of days. That makes sense. If that clears out and it's actually not the case, there's a double digit short on Northern Star. And Which I'm will th push. It'll jam the it. There's up. A, well, there's a massive short squeeze yeah, waiting yeah. to happen. Ooh. And I just Get don't, in this value trade, I mean, it's down to 12 bucks, 12, mm. 13 bucks. Right. I think you can easily see this going to 15, 16 dollars. Wow. It's so a massive, large, I mean, after so you'd be getting into Northern Star I'd now. be getting into Northern Star with my okay. eyes closed. Oh, that's a bonus. <laughs> All right, uh, coming up uh, just after the call, uh, Marnie Baker, the uh, uh, MD of Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, joins us for a chat to go through their results today. So that's 150 Eastern Daylight Time. All right, um, Feng wants a view on Think Childcare, Nathan. This is your baby, <laughs> uh, so to speak. It's in the long daycare facility uh, business. Some private equity guys late last year were sniffing around it. Yeah, we, we saw that. Uh, it, it looked like one of those great trades and we, we were pushing it as a trade and it's just flown. Um, I mean, it's, it's too hard. Um, now you're looking at it going, wow, okay. Um, You've had the run. Um, it's an industry that's quite fascinating because um, when my, it's a few years ago when my son was play, started to play tennis, um, the coach that was training him, it was in the construction game. And he was basically, he gave up building houses, working on houses, and he was just building childcare centers. Mm -hmm. I went, what? And he goes, yeah, there's so many being built everywhere. He said, that's all I do. And he's got like a plan. He'll tell me what the order is and how he does it. And then in the afternoon, he goes and sees how things are. So um, it was just it went from, you know, massive oversupply. And then, of, of course, this is an acquisition model. So they're buying and, you know, you buy something at a lower multiple. There you've got a high multiple. So it makes sense. But the trick is all of these things, and we've talked about a lot of, uh, you know, roll ups. Yeah. The trick works as long as you can have the multiple difference. There's not too many competition yeah. and cost of borrowing is going down. Yeah. Well, it's kind of turned around. Everyone knows the game. Everyone's basically looking for businesses that are fed by the government. <laughs> this is nothing better than childcare. Uh, and, and the reality is cost of borrowing is going to rise yeah. from here. So I think it's, it's a bit late. You want it bidden up, they're saying bidden up. Uh, right. So in that context, I think... Well, if it falls to the 50 cents, is it bidden up then? Oh, I think if it comes back to 50 cents, <laughs> I would look at it. Yeah. Because there is a game, one thing I have learned is that when you're a parent, <laughs> yeah. you go stupid. Uh, and you're willing to pay anything. So, so there's a childcare centre nearby your place, you're going to pay up. Oh, but well, I think it's, it's the place. And Andrew Forrest's sort of uh, business, Mindaroo, is 
pushing for free childcare and mm. governments yeah. to subsidise the whole lot. Well, look, that will inevitably where we are in the overall cycle. Um, the biggest threat right now is US is going into a bit of a stagflation. Yeah. And the only answer is to print more money and socialism. Okay. So childcare okay. is a great socialism. Uh, Nathan mentioned Think to me when I think it was about a dollar a share, and as I do with most of Nathan's ideas, I laughed and dismissed it. <laughs> but it's actually done really well, and more than the price, what really matters to me is the thesis. And you were spot on, man. I was. It's pretty impressive. You just Can said, someone record this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah someone, I know, I know. And then delete okay, it. I'm, I'm just waiting for a, a but, bit later in the show. Yeah, yeah. when he comes at you. Right. <laughs> Um, but this is a sector that is really difficult. Um, you're competing with lots of non-for-profits um, and there's mm. some terrific entrepreneurs uh, doing you know, very innovative and interesting things in there. It's, it's just, um, I think they're under, they're under takeover now, right? Uh, no, no, no. Not no, anymore? They're okay, they're worth yeah. sniffing around. Okay, yeah. I, I don't think, I wouldn't buy this myself. Um, corporate interest aside, I think it, it probably is some. It there might be interesting. There have other stocks in that sector that's got corporate related. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. Yeah, uh, I think it's just it, it's when your competition is um, non for profit, and the mums and dads all know which ones are not for profit and which are not, yeah. and word gets out really quick. You've got to be an ace manager to do well in this business, and um, <laughs> it becomes harder and harder as you get larger. Yep. Uh, I've never bought a business in this uh, in this sector, and I'm not tempted. Well, yet. I'm yeah. I'm stunned because some of the I worked out that some of my grandkids, that one they were were going to, had its own chef, uh, and the owner drove a top of the line BMW. Yeah. And I, yeah. I worked out they were paying the equivalent of private school year twelve fees. Yeah. Yeah. To send a three year old to I know. kindy. I know. Yeah, we've done the same. Ridiculous. All right, uh, let's get going. Jared Mm -hmm. um, uh, Gorab wants a view on Mosaic brands, the old 90B, Millers, Rockmans, Rivers, Cadies, a whole bunch of um, big brand names, 1,400 stores nationally. Yeah. You rate Mosaic. Amazingly large business. I had no idea they had so many stores. I didn't actually know they had so many brands. I I thought of this as the old 90B, but there's a lot, lot of more brands attached to it than that. They're actually doing all the right things here. They're closing unprofitable stores. They're moving online. I think I saw about 14, 15% of their sales are now online. Um, they're integrating you know, sales and distribution channels. Um, there's a lot going on and all of it is very sensible. But, um, and I, yeah, I, this is just, this is not the environment where I really want to be looking at um, sort of second tier retailers. Yeah. Um, every all the sales are running pretty hot at the moment, and I'm not sure how long that is going to last. Uh, there are still a few good retail opportunities. So we, um, one of our favourite stocks, as you might know, is Lavisa, and I yeah, think that's yeah. got uh, years of growth ahead of it. Um, Accent Group, um, Adairs, these are wonderful retailers. Um, Dusk, I would I would highlight, is another quite quite a good retailer. Um, but this does not fit into that camp. Dusk. Yeah, the the. Um, the candle scent guys. Oh, oh they okay. just listed. Right yeah, hmm. they. Um, you look at their look at their numbers. They are they make a lot of money. Everything is branded um, and manufactured in house. Their gross margins are enormous. The, the store count's fairly small. There's a huge opportunity there, and then barely touched online as well. Like it's quite. There's a lot of potential there. Wow. Margins are huge. Um, but anyway. Um, and the number of candles that people give out. You know, I keep <laughs> <laughs> saying to him, 
another candle? Uh, <laughs> sorry, might as well get on board. <laughs> All right. So a no on no from me. Mos- yeah. Mosaic. Yeah. Look, uh, sadly, I have to agree. Um, I think the sector it, it is a tough one to pick. Like, if you look at over the last couple of years, the government is basically giving people money. I mean, they're basically yeah. keeping you employed mm. with the fudged debt driven process right so if people are not spending now when are you going to spend and and the reality is if you look at over the last couple of years and say okay if you're if you're a good retailer you should have taken advantage if you haven't done it well this far it's going to get tougher in the future because disposable income is going to shrink See, the JB Hi-Fi yeah. chart looks a lot different to that one. Yeah, tad bit. <laughs> tad bit. But it's also, uh, it also a lot of those guys benefited from forward buying yeah. because yeah. so much stimulus has been right. thrown into those their customer base, yeah. uh, housing and so forth, and work from home. People have bought a lot of that stuff, and I don't think they can repeat it. Yeah. It's been priced in like they can repeat this for every year, which I, I just don't think that's possible. Now, in, in the case of Mosaic, I think they'll do a bit better. I actually think they'll do better. But I don't think the market's going to care. I think it's going to get tougher for the uh, consumer spending yeah. stocks and overall the retail sector. And I think that'll hit them. So, you know, trying to pick the, the underperformers in retail sector when that's been one of the better performers is yeah. just too tough. You're just yeah. trying to pick. You, just because you missed doesn't mean you have to go back to that sector. There yeah. are other places to look at. I just think there's easier ways. And you it. can't grow by really increasing your store count. They've yeah. got. I, I just remember just jeans and back yeah. in the day, and really back in the day when I was broking in city, I think. And I remember they bought a bunch of stock in orange color because it was in fashion, and then it went out of fashion, and they were stuck with ridiculous <laughs> amount of orange color, and they couldn't get rid of it, and literally had to throw the stock away. Yeah. And that's the kind of risk you yeah. get in when you have such huge store count. Yeah. And you've mm. got to get all of that. And so it's not risk-free. There is always things turning around. And that's why someone like a LaVisa is so good because, yeah. you know, they will have every so often too much stock and they get into trouble, but they flip it. Yeah. They flip it. Yeah, yeah. City Chic exactly. has done a lot better. Yeah. Premier. All right. Yeah. Um, Nathan Rosie wants a view on Unity Group, the telco. Raised yeah. a bunch of money at the end of last year. Mm. Bought a business out at Telstra. Yeah, look... You know, this is one where every man and his dog told me this is a good stock, and they've been right. <laughs> and, so, and it's done well, yeah. and it's very, you know, I just sit there and go, where's the marginal buyer coming from? There is not a single person who was negative, ever. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Right? It's a matter of, oh, it's run harder, take some profit. That's as negative as anyone got. Everyone knew about it, and it's, you know, they've strategically done well, they've done the right acquisitions, they've executed well. I just don't have anything bad to say about it. It's just that I find it hard to believe that after what it has done in the last couple of years, where's the next guy who's going to come and buy a massive chunk right. of it? They're real believers and they trust management. I'm one of those people where I go, eh, it's, a, it's not the, the easiest sector to find winners in. Um, they've done better than most. Um, and they're, you know, they, they're attracting the multiple for that. Uh, do I want to pay up for that and be the last idiot gets into the game? Uh, I don't want to. So okay. I just don't see the value in it right now. I think this is actually a misunderstood business. And I'll put my hand up and say that I didn't like this business at all. I agreed with you. I think this was an overhyped, um, overcomplicated business that everyone was going on about. I don't like management. I still don't like management. Well, okay. I think, I think they've been you. very lucky. Uh, having said that, I've got to buy on the stock. <laughs> so um, let me try and unpack that a little bit. So uh, we owned a business called Opticom um, for a number of years as it mm-hmm. IPO'd. Opticom um, was a constructor and owner of fiber to 
uh, new estates. So there's, there's a rule that says every new estate that gets built, and an estate is, a, is lots of houses into one area, yeah. um, you have to have fibre to the premise in that estate. And there's a whole, whole bunch of companies that will do that. Opticom was, was one of the market leaders. Um, and we thought, I thought that was a wonderful business. You, you, they construct a monopoly piece of infrastructure and then they own that infrastructure forever and mm -hmm. other retail um, service providers then have to pay consistent rental fees to Opticom to provide broadband to their customers. It's a wonderful cash flow machine. Uh, I, we mm -hmm. re really were, we liked that business, made good money out of it. Mm -hmm. Then Unity came around and bought it yeah, up. Yeah. And, um, and we looked at Unity and thought, what are these guys doing? And I had a look at it. and. These guys have just been out there buying everything. They bought 1-800, you know, the company that owns yep. the 1-800 numbers. Yep. They bought um, Harbor ISP. They seem to have no strategy, just buying everything they can. And I, to this day, I mean, they say, management says, oh, we've had this grand plan all along. I think they got lucky. I think they just happened to buy a couple of really smart assets and now they've centered their strategy uh, around a couple of really good assets that they stumbled into. Um, they are now, so they bought Opticom and the three next competitors. Um, so oh. for the, four, um, the four competitors who made up that uh, build to a state uh, fiber business, they've all been consolidated and rolled up into Opticom, into Unity. So now the only businesses that provide that service are NBM and, and Unity. And Unity has now shifted their entire business toward being a fiber infrastructure business. And I don't think the market quite appreciates the economics of that. This is an infrastructure business now. Right. They should earn over $100 million in operating um, profit, and it's only a billion-dollar business. I think you could easily double from, from here. Um, I, and the, value, the multiple it deserves is far higher. Um, the mm. potential growth on offer, their only competitor is NBN. That is not a strong competitor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like the, the CEO yeah. comes from TPG. He's got 26 years' experience with TPG. That, you know, raised an eyebrow with me. I don't like uh, the chief dealmaker, Vaughan Bowen. In my view, he's blown up M2, he's blown up focus, and now, now he's here and now he worries me. So we've got to buy on the stock, um, but we're watching management very closely. And this, the earliest sign that they do something dumb, we're out of there. Right. But for now, this is a wonderful asset base wow. at, a, at an attractive price. Yeah. Gee, that, yeah. that was an analysis that went to the peaks and the troughs. <laughs> yeah, this is a wonderful. Don't trust the management. <laughs> oh, no, but it did. Oh, he's yeah, blind. It, it was a tricky one for but, us but to get it through. It is one yeah. of those situations where, mm. as much as I don't want to chase it because everyone's a positive one, right. that's why I was surprised that you, you actually went the other way. Yeah. Everyone yeah. likes it. Um, so I usually stay away from those. It could be an Apex. Or, or an Atlassian. They, you can start off with an average well, model. Apple being smashed. Well, it's smashed now, which, which <laughs> I thought it was, was where all the pain. But the original model wasn't great. Then they bought a few pieces. Yeah, that's true. And then and they, they became better. a better business. That's true. Right. Yeah, now, yeah. the trick is you can be an average management with an average asset. If the market's willing to pay you high multiple, yeah, yeah. if you're smart enough to realize, hey, I'll take that and do something with it and use a multiple to actually okay. buy proper business and proper assets, all right. then you can make it. So I think it's better. So after... Gaurav's analysis. No, I'm Doesn't not still not going. Still okay. I'm still not no. going there. <laughs> okay. Mm. All right. Linus wants to view uh, Gaurav on AML 3D. I didn't know much about this. We're mm. going to finish with two small stocks. Um, mm. Have just been in um, made to fit titanium body armor. <laughs> um, they they've done a deal to sell overseas and. Things like that. Yeah, it sounds cool, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, what this business really is, though, is um, it's an additive manufacturer. It's a 3D 
printing business. Yeah. They've got a technology that allows them to print or manufacture um, metal composites with, um, with, with additive manufacturing, which is mean they don't yeah. need molds. They build it up um, layer by layer. It's a wonderful piece of technology. Sounds like a, a sci-fi. Oh, it's, it's quite large yeah, all over yeah. the world. Um, they do it with lots of different materials. This business focuses on metals, and I think that's one of the keys, that yeah. the, you haven't really been able to do this well using um, metal uh, liquid before. Yep. Um, there's a whole heap of applications for this. It, it uses like 70% less material, less waste, less cost, more strength. It's a value add, no question about that. Product is great. They don't yet have a revenue model. They haven't decided whether they're selling printers and supplying their customers with printers. Are they are they actually a contract manufacturer? Um, they don't have a business model, in my view. There's no revenue. I would keep this on the watch list. There's genuinely interesting yeah. technology here, um, but until they find a way to monetize it, there's a yeah. long way to go. This is yeah. too early in the story. Um, I follow Titomic. Yes, you do. You told me about that years ago. Yeah. yeah. So now this is another one that I'm keeping an eye on. Mm. Um, the basic concept is one of the biggest trends uh, for the decade is 3D printing. It's how that mm -hmm. plays out. So just imagine you're trying to buy a piece of uh, something, a nut or a bolt that's broken and you've got yeah. to get it from you somewhere. Get, you go to Bunnings and they've got a printer that exactly. works it out for you. Or you have it yourself. Ah. And so yeah. these guys have will, a printer, yeah. will, will have a printer themselves, yeah. they do metal printing, blah, 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 yeah. get the piece, bang, you've got it up and running. So these things, pieces could be ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, you've got to wait for two months, you could have it done in half an hour. Mm, so yeah. that's the theory. Now, Graf's right, it's still a concept. Now, I had a look through at the L3. I mean, they've got, I think they're burning about a, um, a million a year, a quarter. Uh, they don't have much to play with. They've just raised money, so mm. that kind of puts them in. These guys will take time. Right. Now, some of the other guys, like Titanic, are more uh, advanced in that theory. They've got their machines, mm. they're actually okay. showing, and it plays in their defense play, um, and you know, probably 12 months ago, if you could have bought any stock with the word defense attached to it, mm. and it probably went up. Um, that's probably not as big uh, without uh, Trump tweets running around. Yep. So in that context, <laughs> it's probably not the best thing, but the 3D printing will play out. I, I think, again, Graf's exactly right in the context that you want to have this on the watch list. Right. This watch is it. a sector, 3D printing will be a thematic. I don't know when it's going to take off, Wait for one of those guys to prove it. I think Titanic is one that's further down the track. So you prefer Titanic? And when they do start to get some contracts going and execution going, it'll go gangbusters. Okay. All right. Final stock. Got to be pretty quick on this. Running out of time. Giles wants a viewer on Shiro. Um, so it's a baby Breville, is it? Yeah. I didn't realise anything about <laughs> kitchen appliances and consumer products. Mm. This is something that I looked at and said, ah, oh, that's crap for yeah. a long time, right? <laughs> long time. And then just when, when it came up on the list, when Gautam sent it, I, I looked at it and said, what the hell? It's done really well. And then yeah. I looked at the numbers and I went, it's not that expensive. And then they're executing. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, it's going good. Uh, I just can't <laughs> see. I, it's, it's something that naturally, a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, that's a crap business. Yeah. It's not going to be exciting. It's, where's the growth coming from? And you look at the numbers and go, they're executing. They're getting the things done. And the numbers look good. And you know, you're not paying massive multiples. It's, mm. It is what it is. It's it's delivering what you want. And I think it pays a decent yield as well. So yeah. mm. it's good okay. business. It's just, it's one that I did stop looking at for a while. And because it was on the list, I had to look at it again. And I thought, wow, they've done well. Yeah. Yeah. So yes from you. Yeah. I've owned this in the past. Um, I don't own it yet now. I sold it to find other purchases again. But but the, uh, it's a quite interesting business. So half the company is um, a distributor of Casio products. They have yeah. a monopoly in school calculators. 
and they distribute mm -hmm. G-Shock watches, which I didn't know, but AA are a phenomenon. They make so much money out of distribution of G-Shock watches. So mm -hmm. half the business you could just bank every year because yeah. the, the profits just roll in. They have no contract with Casio, but they have a 30-year relationship. And apparently there's a lot of personal ties um, in that relationship. So I would call that fairly safe. And the second half of the business is uh, barbecues. <laughs> they, they have wow. started their own line of um, these, some of these celebrity chefs who I don't know the name of, but... Um, oh. Uh, oh, Evergeal barbecues and Robin Hood barbecues and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but yeah. They've, they've, got, they've got one, um, they've got a celebrity chef who's got, got his own line of barbecues, I right. forget the name, but these things, they've rolled them out in the US and Europe, um, and I've read some reviews, they, they're doing really well in terms of the hardcore barbecuing okay. community. The sales of those, I reckon, are going to be taking off. They recently had a sales up update, upgrading earnings. Yeah. They're, they're, it, look, it looks like they're going to make $20 million. The thing is, wow. it's, it's a $100 million it's, business. So yeah. yes, you're I buy it. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. actually cheap. Alternative to It's actually cheap on the multiples. And you go to the growth yeah. rate and you go, it's not, they're not like, it's not a double, you know, massive growth story. Yeah, so yeah. You, you sit there and go, it's not too bad. Giles, like, thank you for that. A little gem mm. that both the boys are into. All right. It goes into the calls portfolio. Um, our final five stocks, um, Think Childcare, uh, a no, uh, uh, Mosaic, uh, a no, um, Gorav likes Lavisa, and Dusk, which is the candle manufacturer, which if very you've got a spouse, very Valentine's oh, Day, Valentine's <laughs> Day <laughs> of course, well picked up, Nathan, oh. love it. Um, mm. Unity, a yes from Gorav, a no from uh, Nathan, uh, AML3D, uh, Put it on your watch list going through. Titanic is one that's preferred by Nathan and Shryo, um, a yes from both of them. Thank you, gents. Good to see you, Nathan. Great to be here. Thank you. Um, that's our show for today. If you've got any stocks that you want us to cover, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us osbiztv. Uh, to find all the stocks in the calls portfolio, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up on the Startup Daily Show. Uh, between two and three, Mandeep Sodhi. Any relation? No relation. Uh, from <laughs> Effie, uh, coming up. He finishes a multi-million dollar capital raise. He's coming up on the Startup Daily Show, which is all about startup and scale-up businesses with lots of founders and venture capitalists. That's it from us. A lot happening on the Ausbiz. Don't go away. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.